I spent way too much time in GarageBand, like more, like I was, I was in GarageBand for like a year and a half. (laughs) Like think about how crazy that is. Like I spent a year and a half of my life making music on GarageBand. What's up producers? I'm Sam Matler and this is the EDM podcast, a weekly podcast where I interview producers, engineers, and industry people. As you can hear, I still haven't got my microphone Uh, I'm not at home, but this will have to do. In this episode, episode 15, I talk to Serik, also known as Hyperbiz. Serik has a wealth of knowledge and some great advice to offer on mixing, layering, and creativity. He's one half of the Rooftop Boys, a side project of his, and also teaches music production in his spare time by running masterclasses. One thing that must be mentioned is that this interview is both incredibly technical, but also very motivating. If you're someone who wants to make a living from music, but you just need a bit of a push, then this episode is for you. You can find the show notes for this episode at edmprod.com slash episode 15. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you by EDM Foundations. EDM Foundations is my course for new producers, those who've been producing for under 12 months or even those who've just started. The whole idea of the EDM Foundations course is that you learn the fundamentals of music production by actually doing and not just learning the theoretical stuff. The course consists of over 12 hours worth of streamable video where I walk you through the creation of three songs and give you advice and tips for working on your own original alongside them. We've had over 500 people sign up for this course. Many of them have had great results. If you want to learn more about the course, head over to edmfoundations.com. Sirik, thanks heaps for coming on the show. It's fantastic to have you here. Happy to be here. Uh, now, for those listening who, who don't know you that well, why not give us a little bit of background? Who are you and how did you get to where you are today? Um, sure. So, uh, so my name is Sarek and I produce music under the name Hyperbits. And also, um, I've got a side project called The Rooftop Boys. And, and who am I? I mean, that's kind of a, a tough question, but... Uh, I mean, these days I'm just a, a caffeine-dependent music producer. I'm living in in Brooklyn, um, but I wasn't always a music producer. And I I actually graduated college and started working as a marketing manager for a pharmaceutical conference company company back in um, in Manhattan for a few years. And I'm telling you, man, like if there has ever been a job that just didn't matter in life, like <laughs> like imagine no one got hurt. And the actual like offices of the company just like blew up or something. I don't think anyone would have even like batted an eye. Um, it just it, it wasn't serving any greater purpose. And and in fact, I think like its only purpose was to make money. And like I learned very quickly that I just couldn't live like that. And I'm sure some people can, you know, but like I just couldn't do it. Um, and I think the best part about doing something that you hate is that you figure out exactly what you don't want in life. 
you know, I, I, I didn't want to be working for someone else. I didn't want to have to physically be somewhere, you know, like an, at an office five days a week, nine to five. Um, and I don't know, like I had like this like very clear purpose all of a sudden I was like, life is pretty simple and life is short. So you just have to find what you love and you just have to do it often. Um, and so, so anyway, like who I am today, I think it has a lot to do with that experience of who I didn't want to be. Um, and then like how I kind of got to where I am today, you know, it's, it's tough to say, but I feel like lots of hard work and, and just honing my craft. It probably took me over three years to make my first like half decent remix or record. And, um, and then once I did, like I had a lot of trouble, like even replicating it again. And and I don't know, I feel like nothing gets you further than just being persistent and working hard. And if you just fast forward out a couple of years now after that first song that I made, which was actually the um, the Cruella remix for um, the Alive, it was just like a free download acapella and it got like decent support. And so, like I said, like fast forward a couple of years and since then I've been working with like a lot of the major labels, both as a remix artist and an engineer. Um, and I think like, you know, your, your music has to be there first, but, but once it is like, once your music is there, what really got me to where I am today is just being like a genuine dude. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I don't know, I give a lot of production advice on my Facebook page. I gave away like a completely free sample pack. Mm -hmm. Um, I've done, or I've been giving, um, like an online masterclass, which is like a five week program. And, uh, and yeah, I just feel like, I don't know, my students these days are killing it. Like they're getting more support than I am. Um, <laughs> they're, they're getting support from Tiesto and Geta yeah. and Steve Angelo and all these guys and they're winning remix competitions and it's just incredible, you know, like, and, and that's kind of been like my whole, you know, how I've gotten to where I am. Like I, I really try to not sugarcoat anything and there's just no, no bullshit. Am, am I allowed to curse on this by the way? Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no bullshit really. Like I think being real and, and not forgetting what it was like to open up my DAW and just have absolutely no idea how to create anything in the beginning. I remember that. I remember that ridiculous learning curve. Yeah. And so like, who am I not to kind of give back as much as I possibly can? Yeah. I, I like that. I also like that you said, you know, I, I think it was persistence and hard work. That is oh, absolutely yeah. true. And I want to talk about your masterclass really quickly. But before we do that, uh, was there was there kind of a moment you were at this job, you know, this marketing job and you didn't like it. But was there like a, a day where you just thought, you know, I've had enough. I want to work on music. What what kind of pushed you over the edge and how did you make the switch? Because I know a lot of people are very uh, quite terrified of doing that you know, leaving a job that a nine to five, that is consistent income. It might not be enjoyable to make music full time. Dude. I mean, everyone's terrified. I was terrified. And, and luckily there was a couple external factors that kind of played into basically making me leave. Um, so I had signed up for uh, a dub spot mixing and mastering class. And, you know, like I'm living in Manhattan at the time, like it's an expensive class. Like I really put a lot of money into it. And like, there was just no way that I was going to miss any single one of those sessions. It's twice a week, couple months. 
I was supposed to be for work. I was supposed to be in South Florida, right? So I live in New York. This is like way down in the South of the United States. Mm. Um, I was supposed to be down there for an event that I was the marketing manager of. And the date of that, of the conference, it started on the same day as the first day of class at DubSpot. And I just like, I, I remember like, I just like thought about it and I was like, hmm, like, what should I do here? And I told my boss, I was like, I'm sorry, but I got into, you know, I kind of beefed it up a little bit. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I got into this really prestigious class and like, I, I can't miss it. I've invested a lot of money in it and it just means a lot to me. I know it's a personal thing, but I just, I can't go to Florida. And I'm not even kidding. Within a week and a half, they laid me off. Wow. So I got, you know, like, and, and a lot of people think like, oh, that's horrible. Like I, that was the best day of my life because finally someone kind of like forced me into this. Like, it's like, it's like, Hey, I finally have time now to pursue what I want to do. Mm. And, and, you know, I had wanted to do this for years already. Um, I don't think necessarily my skill level was there yet, but, but being laid off, man, and, and looking at like, you know, waking up every day and having a free schedule that's when things like started to really change for me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's that's crazy. Uh, so, I mean, your masterclass, you've, is this the second time you're running it now? Yes. Why did you start that and, and what is it? So, it's a, it's a five-week online class where I'm basically giving away absolutely everything that I've ever learned um, in music. And I think that like music production is one of those things where for some people it takes maybe 10 years to get good. Some people probably can do it a little faster. Like probably took me about four or five years to get half decent. Some mm. people can do it in one year, but, but I feel like the general population, it takes a while, like a really long time to kind of just get half decent at it. And so for me, the, the original purpose of the masterclass was like, can I speed up this timeline for people? Like, can I make a course that just kind of streamlines like all that, all that stuff that you just, you spend so much time troubleshooting and messing up in the beginning and making all those mistakes. Like, can I make a class that just cuts through all of that? Um, and, and I had been kind of working one-on-one with a lot of people before the masterclass and it was just getting to the point where I, I couldn't keep up with the demand anymore. And there was too many people reaching out that wanted to work on production. And it was taking up my whole schedule. And I was like, all right, hold on. Let's take a step back. Um, and I kind of put this curriculum together and uh, put it out there. And, and yeah, I've ran it twice now. And it's sold out both times. That's amazing. And I'm just looking through like the curriculum. And it's impressive, man. You know, you, you start off with... <laughs> Uh, I, I like how you start off with finishing music because that's kind of the the essential like if you don't know how to finish music then there's no point learning about the mixing and uh and mastering and then you go on for two weeks on advanced mixing which uh I really want to talk about actually in a moment <clears throat> um that's cool so so do you know when the next masterclass will be opening up if anyone's interested um, I actually, I kind of don't really decide, um, when I'm going to run it in advance. It's more like, 
I kind of see how many inquiries I'm going to get after the class this or this fall session uh, finishes, and and then I'll run it again when you know when the demand is there. Um, it's looking like I'm going to run it probably about three times a year. So most likely in the winter, uh, either December, January will probably be the next class. But but yeah, no no guarantees. Okay, no worries. Uh, so so one thing that really stands out in all your productions. Uh, to me anyway, is the mixing. Like your your tracks sound both clean and, you know, big and grunty at the same time, which is, I think, very hard to pull off. Uh, so, yeah. So I'd love to talk about that. How do you approach a mix? It's, this is a, another really, I don't know, difficult question just because there's so many little things that I do that I, or that I have to do to get my mixes sounding good. So... I don't know. I, I'm a big fan of analogies and I actually, I'm just going to straight up steal something that Chris Zane told me. He's actually the, um, the producer behind like passion pit, friendly fires, penguin, penguin prison, you know, a lot of those like really dope electronic indie funky type bands. Uh, and he told me that productions are a little bit like a Broadway show. Like, have you ever seen how much makeup they weigh, they wear or, or how over exaggerated their facial expressions are or the singing? Like it's because it has to reach the audience. It has to make it all the way back to the last row. Mm. And if you walked up really, really close to these guys, you'd be like, Jesus, man, like you look insane, right? Like all that <laughs> stuff that they're wearing on their face. And, but on stage with the lights and everything else, it looks just right. And I think that's kind of how I approach my mix downs. Like I really try to over exaggerate stuff. Like I'll try to get things sounding good. And then once they're sounding good, like I go back in and I make the stuff that I think is clean, even cleaner, or I'll make the stuff that's big and fat. I'll make it even bigger. I kind of push things to like their absolute limit. And then finally, like at, at a certain point, I'll just back off. And if I've felt like I've gone too far. Yeah, so so in terms of your workflow though, do you mix as you go? Do you do a final mix at the end? Do you do both? I mean, how does that all work? Yeah, I mean, I kind of um I kind of do like all right, so so you want me to actually go through like my kind of uh like workflow, how how do I get to like idea through completed track type thing? Yeah, we can do that, yeah. So all right. So basically I spend probably the first hour, um, up to four hours, just like developing an initial idea that for me sounds good. Mm. So it's usually something like a chord progression is kind of the first thing that I'll, I'll get going. But then I, on top of that, it'll be a melody or, or even a drop, um, or a baseline that, but it, it has to convince me like, Hey, this is a good idea and it's worth pursuing. And, and sometimes it's really easy and it takes me a while uh, or sometimes I say it takes me a while, but you know, I spend a, a really decent, probably longer than I think like some people do to just get that initial idea to sound good and to, to be right to begin with. And then once I have that initial idea and I'm kind of like, all right, I'm starting to head nod a little bit. Like I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm grooving with the track a little, I'll spend just like an hour or so, like just kind of structuring the track, like making sure that 
there's a blueprint of some sort so i don't get into that horrible like looping thing you Ooh, know yeah, when you just, yeah. <laughs> you just start listening to your music over and over again and you're like why can't i stop listening to this like i'm not going anywhere with this i gotta do something so to avoid that that's like that's kind of my middle phase like structure all this all this stuff out even if it's very underdeveloped just get like something going um and then after that, I'll spend a really a, a decent amount of time on all the transitions, you know, like all the bills and making mm-hmm. sure the break is actually good and, and full and interesting. Um, and then after that, I would say that the last phase for me, I probably spend anywhere from like four to six or even lo- hours like just mixing mm-hmm. even longer sometimes. And, and for me, this is kind of like the fun part, you know, because all the all the writing and all the decision making is kind of done. I just get to sit there and be like, all right, how crisp can I get this vocal to sound or how clear can I get this synth to sound? Do I love the way the piano flows? Like, do I need to introduce additional layering? Do mm-hmm. I need to make this bass fatter? It, I basically just drive myself insane until I can finally walk away from it. Uh, and come back in a few hours or the next day and think like, okay, sweet. This is, you know, this is actually good. You, you mentioned layering and this is a tough question because I know that layering is kind of something that a lot of people do subconsciously, including me, but it's a question I get a lot and by a lot, I mean basically (laughs) daily. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are there any tips for layering, whether that's synths or, or bass lines or even drums are there any tips that you'd recommend uh for producers who kind of struggle with that yeah i would say layering is all about the differences within the layers mm. so if you want to achieve let's just say for example you want to achieve um big you know big room big trancey chords right like lush reverb really large sounding chords you can't just stack four or five different sounds that all kind of sound similar on top of each other because you're going to introduce phase cancellation. You're going to introduce all sorts of just clipping issues. Like you're just layering the same thing over and over itself. Whereas if you make maybe one layer that has that kind of big trancey lush chord, but then the next layer has just, just a lot of attack and like maybe no sustain. And then maybe that third layer has no attack and just a lot of like pads or, or atmosphere to it, you know, something up top. Oh, and maybe the, the fourth layer is in a completely different octave than everything else. I'm, I've, I've found that the more differences I can incorporate into a sound or, or a bunch of layers, the more full it's going to sound. Right, for sure. That's, that's a really good way to look at it. I think some people, uh, in my experience anyway, kind of get carried away with layering and they don't, like for example, let's say you have a pluck and you want it to have a bit more high end and transient. You don't need to add much to it. You can just add, you know, maybe another pluck sound or percussion sound and high pass it and then turn the volume down, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, dude, I, you nailed it. Like I love using percussive sounds um, in my pluck layers just to give them a little bit of attack. I do that in pretty much all of my plucks just for them to get that extra pop that maybe like a percussive sample can generate that maybe a synth can't. 
I love doing that. So, do you do that with your, uh, not to give away your secrets, but you've got the signature <laughs> pluck sound that I hear in a lot of your music. Um, oh, what song was it? Was it a remix you did a while back, I think? Was it uh, Kevin Wilde, Gravity? That remix? No, no, it, it would have been, it could have been a Z. Was it a Z remix, maybe? I'm not mm. sure, but you have this. Pluck. Oh, Cascade, maybe? Or Killers? It was the Killers. Yeah, the Killers one. Yeah. Okay. Like, there's, there's yeah. just this pluck in there that uh, is just so, it's just signature. Yeah. It I screams mean, hyper bits, you know? <laughs> I, I'm, honestly, like, I, I'm, I don't really believe in, like, the whole, like, you can't give away your sounds type thing. Like, I'll yeah. answer, like, any question, really. Um, honestly, that, that pluck is a combination of about, I want to say, I mean, this was, you know, a year and a half, two years ago I made mm. that, but. I want to say it was probably six or seven different layers to kind of get there. And one of them is going to be like the body. And I'm pretty sure I got it from Silent, um, kind of the mid range and it's got some weight to it. Uh, but then like another pluck will just be a lot higher in tonality, just, you know, more like a bell sound. Another one was actually a tom. Like I just straight up took like a tom that had no place belonging in plucks. And I just, <laughs> I threw it in there, you know, cause I was like, oh wow, like this really cuts through the mix all of a sudden. Um, and you know, like I can go on and on. There's just these random layers that I just kept kind of building on top of each other until I felt it was hitting me in the chest more so than like any pluck I had heard <laughs> recently. Um, and that, and, and a lot of, uh, OTT compressor. I love the OTT specifically on plucks. It just, there's a sound to it that just is incredible. Um, not, you know, not a, a, not a hundred percent of that, uh, the knob, you know, whatever that knob is on the left that like maybe 20, 30% on some of the layers. And it just really kind of brings it to a new level of commercial brightness, you know? Hmm. Uh, so I want to switch back to, back to your mixing for, but you know, you get to this, you've done the arrangement, you've done these transitions and then you spend, you know, four plus hours mixing or whatever it was. Uh, at least, yeah, at least. (laughs) So do you have any kind of structured workflow there? Because I know for myself, uh, like if I'm doing a final mix down, I'll pull all the faders down. I'll start just with the faders then I'll move on to EQ and compression. And then only after that will I worry about tweaking and adding delays and, and things like that. Do you have any sort of structured workflow or is it, you know, you just play it by ear? Uh, take Dude, it as it I, comes? I, <laughs> I wish I had more of a structured workflow when it comes to mixing, but I just keep going, man, until everything sounds the way that it sounds in my head. Mm. So but like, you know, I don't, I don't, I definitely don't have a, a straight up structure. I'll, I'll pull my faders down, make sure there's headroom. But beyond that, I basically just go through sections of the song. Like, like if I'll, I'll start maybe with the first break and I'll be like, Hey, let's see, uh, is this piano where I want it? And if it's not, I'll spend, you know, as much time as needed until that piano sounds good. Mm. And then I'll kind of move forward in the track and, and address the, the builds and the, and the drops and just kind of like everything. Like I, like I'll just kind of go through the song and just kind of like, I, 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 like I was saying, I have a good memory, right. Mm. And I just kind of know what has and hasn't been addressed yet. 
and I'll just go through the whole song until I know everything is is kind of top notch. And then one of the last things that I do to kind of check the mix down, I'll solo the kick and start adding every single element, probably during like the busiest sections of the songs. Um, so I'll start with the kick, I'll solo that, and then I'll slowly just solo every single layer that's that kind of comes in. So like one at a time, making sure that each one I'm happy with. And, and what you'll learn sometimes by doing this kind of one at a time soloing technique is like what element just made this mix sound bad? Like what did I just bring in that all of a sudden the kick drum got lost or, or what just happened that maybe the vocal isn't cutting through anymore? You know, like you start to learn that you're a lot of the, the mixing issues that producers come across, they're creating themselves by you know, maybe making a poor composition decision or a poor sound choice. And so that's kind of like my last test, right? It's like, if I can get through that soloing phase where everything comes in the mix and everything is still audible and clear and crisp, then I know I've like, I've done a good job. And if, and if not, it's, you know, back to mixing, back to the drawing board. Yeah, that's, that's a really cool technique. So soloing, bringing each thing or each element in one by one. And that makes a lot of sense because... I know a lot of people, you know, they've got their mix down uh, and I can remember this back in the day and there's something wrong with the mix, but you can't work out what it is and you're just yeah. kind of going around in circles. <laughs> that make, That's common sense, but I, I suppose it's, yeah, not many people do it. Um, yeah. it was, honestly, it was, a, it was a trial and error thing. It was kind of one, like, I, I had to figure out what was wrong, right? And like, for me, that just made the most sense. I was like, oh, let, let me see if I bring everything in one at a time, I'll figure out, or I, at least I'd hope I'd figure out what's wrong. Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, just in passing that, you know, poor compositional or poor composition can affect a mix. How? Uh, so many ways, man. I mean, so for example, if you have a drop, right? And let's say the baseline is kicking. You've got, you got your kick bass relationship. It's sounding great. And then comes that part of your mind where you're just like, is this enough? Like, don't I need to add more to this? Like it's not enough. And then all of a sudden you start adding stabs and maybe you brought in piano too early or there's too many lead layers on top of it. And you had this really dope drop. But now you just made three or four composition decisions where your writing kind of changed that is going to make your mix down a whole hell of a lot more difficult to achieve. Mm. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that kind of makes no, sense. that makes a lot of yeah. sense, yeah. I just feel like that's a lot of what I come across. I'm just like, you just shouldn't have done that, you know? Like, like this would be a lot better to mix and it would sound better if you just spent more time maybe developing your ideas and and this even goes to show in um in writing man like like you have to spend time writing first like the writing has to be good and if it's really good your mix down is going to be a lot easier to achieve like my pianos in a lot of my rooftop boys remixes like the other guy in the rooftop boys spends a lot of time just like writing these little like bass or these little piano fills and these little things that that add so much to the vibe 
that no amount of mixing could ever do. Like the writing has to be there first. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, it, actually, that's interesting. In terms of when you're starting the track and putting down the ideas, do you tend to focus on the melodies and the harmonies first and get them out of the way? Yes. I, and I wouldn't even say I get them out of the way because I love that part, right? Mm, like it's like, mm. it's, it's one of, I think for me, I'm definitely a melodic driven producer. I, that's my favorite part is, is what kind of chords and melodies you can write that could just achieve like a certain vibe. Mm. So, so yeah, like first off, like I just, I get those, those piano chords going, maybe I'll write some piano fills or trills or whatever. And then right on top of that plucks, um, leads, you know, bass lines, all that other stuff kind of follows suit. Do you, do you know music theory? Yeah, I've, I, I mean, I'm not like exceptional at music theory, but I played guitar since I was in like, I think I picked it up when I was in middle school. So when I was like 13 years old, you know, I've, I've done a lot of songwriting and stuff like that on a guitar. Um, and I knew that whole world way before I ever started making music on a computer. Okay. That's interesting. And, and you think that's helped a fair bit? Yeah. I mean, it, it, you definitely don't need to play an instrument to make music on a computer, no. but I'm definitely lucky that I did. Cause it just, I still, to this day, even when I'm writing stuff on a, keyboard on a like on a piano i still think of it in terms of chords on a guitar like that's just how my brain is wired and how i kind of go about writing my chord progressions now hmm, that's interesting uh so what daw do you use i'm in logic why logic <laughs> dude i i started using GarageBand uh. in like 2008 <laughs> And I spent way too much time in GarageBand, like more, like I was, I was in GarageBand for like a year and a half. Oh, wow. <laughs> like think about how crazy that is. Like I spent a year and a half of my life making music on GarageBand. Oh no. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah. So from there, the, the natural transition was to Logic. And the only reason that I even got Logic was because, so I was out with a bunch of friends in, um, Foxwoods Casino, right? It's like north of the city, a couple hours. And I lent my buddy, like, I think it was just like 500 bucks because he like couldn't get access to his ATM or something. Mm. And the deal was anything that he wins, like he'll pay me back no matter what, but anything that he wins, we're splitting 50, 50. <laughs> and he, dude, he won like thousands of dollars off of that 500 bucks that day. And we drove home and I was like, bro, stop at guitar center i want to pick up a few things mm. and i bought logic i bought krks you know like a little m audio like interface a key like the whole basic studio setup and it's all like so that's the only reason i even made that transition from GarageBand to logic that is so cool <laughs> <laughs> random uh wow do you have any routines habits or or tricks that help you stay creative and overcome creative blocks yeah i mean dude i've got tons of stuff to be honest i mean i i think most people like including myself just have this like natural tendency to be a bit negative and probably uninspired so like knowing that if it's human nature that lends itself towards that 
I, I for, like I spend a lot of time every single day trying to stay positive and trying to stay happy and trying to stay creative. Like, like I, I put tons of effort strictly into this. So, you know, for me, like I probably like number one, I, I would say like go outside. <laughs> if you're having trouble being motivated, like get outside, go for a walk, go for a run, get to the gym, do some yoga, man. Like, like, it's, I'm not the one who figured this out, right? But if you do some form of exercise, you're going to release some endorphins and you're going to feel better. Like it's just a fact of life. And I feel like nothing gets me motivated more than like to come back to this, to my studio than just getting away from the studio. Um, and, uh, and you know, like while, like while I'm away from the studio, I take in as much music as I possibly can. So, cause I mean, every art, every song out there, every album, that's just an infinite amount of inspiration for you to kind of harness from or draw from. So I listen, you know, while I'm working out or, or running or, or whatever, um, I'm listening to podcasts, Spotify playlists, artist albums, and, and not strictly EDM stuff either, you know, just, just music in general. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and honestly, another thing that really keeps me motivated, and I feel like a lot of this stuff is like almost like not mu- like not music related, um, but like eating healthy, dude. Oh yeah, it's it's so big. Like I try to have like an ice cold vegetable smoothie right before I produce, like before every session. It's a different rush than caffeine, man. It makes you sharp and awake and just like so focused. And, and on top of that, like, it's just healthy, right? Like it's probably going to improve the quality of your life outside of music anyway. So it's a real win-win. Um, and I can't bring up caffeine without saying like, dude, <laughs> coffee, gotta drink your coffee. Like oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm definitely not one of those people who like drinks coffee all day, but first thing in the morning, like coffee gets me going. And, and, and right after that first cup, man, like I honestly just feel like I can take over the world just, just yeah, for like yeah. 10 minutes, <laughs> 10 minutes. <laughs> and then I come back down to life and I'm like, yeah, okay. Definitely can't. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's huge. Um, I would say keeping a to-do list right by the, like right by your computer in a physical piece of paper with a pen where you why, like, why physical? It, 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 cause it, it's staring you in the face. You can't <laughs> minimize it. You can't exit out. It's, it's a physical piece of paper. It's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. you write this to do list and it just looks at you all day. And <laughs> the second that I put on Facebook and start like, I'm like, what, what, why am I looking at like my old high school's friends, girlfriend? <laughs> I'm like, what am I doing? There's a to do list staring at me, like get shit done. Um, I, I think that's huge. Like I, I, I've gone through so many notebooks over the years of just like writing these like huge to do lists, and I love it. It's the first thing I do every single day is make sure that like I'm focused and I've got a list of things to get through. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's super cool. I like how you you said eat healthy as well. I think that's probably the most underrated piece of advice on creativity ever. Oh, oh I have to do. Eating healthy is the most underrated thing about all things that you're trying to in life. I, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, I don't know, if you eat healthy, 
you start to learn a lot about yourself too. Um, you know, you just, and, and to be honest, like I, I've done, um, a lot of meditation too in the past, like few months, I actually use an app called headspace. Yeah. yeah I've used that. That's great. Yeah. It's, it's just 10 minutes a day, but like somehow, like I said, like, you know, I, I think everyone has a little bit of trouble just always staying positive and, there's something about this meditation thing, man. Like I'm not saying it's for everyone, but it keeps me positive, keeps me centered. And it just teaches you a lot about like yourself. And and I think that's just really, really cool. That's awesome. So uh, get out of the studio, listen to music, exercise, eat healthy and meditate. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and one other little technique that I've kind of been doing, um, if you're like one of those people who just, you feel like you're almost like struggling to just accomplish things, like you've been mm. working all morning and nothing's actually gotten done type scenario, which I think probably also happens to a lot of people. I mean, I know it happened to me. I take my phone and I, and I set an alarm for like one hour from now. Mm. And I'll just be like, all you have to do in this one hour is and i'll assign myself a task and like there's something about having this ending time to it like i have to get it done in an hour now i just told myself that i would and it works i don't know why but like i'll just be like like if my goal for that hour was to just focus on getting through a break of a song i'll usually find that within that hour like i may not always finish it but i'll have made so much more progress than if i just sat there trying to work on whatever I wanted. Um, cause you know, that's what leads to tweaking a snare drum for like 47 minutes or something. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I kind of have a following question from that. I mean, you're doing this full time, right? So yeah. you're a professional and I've heard, oh, I forgot who said it. Uh, oh man. Someone said, you know, as, as a professional, like creative block for me, it's something I can't really think about because if I let it kind of, uh, pervade my mind and I focus on the fact that I've got creative block, I'm not going to get work done. And as a professional, if you don't get work done, you're not going to get any money and you're not going <laughs> to be able to live. I mean, does that kind of motivate you or do you sometimes sit down and think, you know what, this is what I do. I can't afford to just sit here and muck around and not make any music. You know what, man? Like I'm, I really sometimes think that I'm like just lucky that I have this, like this innate drive inside of me Mm. that just keeps me kind of going. I mean, I'll, I have other hobbies and other things that I want to do. Like I'm re I love to golf, which Mm. definitely takes a lot of time away (laughs) from music but when I'm here, like I, I never really think like, Hey, I have to get this done because it's my livelihood. I just think I have to get this done because I love it and I want to make something of myself and I want to be successful. Like it's, it's not like a, I'm doing this because there's a paycheck type type feel. It's more like I, I just have this kind of consistent overarching motivation. That's just kind of pretty much pretty much always there you know i say this and then you zoom into my life and like you come into me like on a sunday and i'm just watching netflix (laughs) but like you know you got to get your vices everybody's got their 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 moments but uh but 
you know, Monday through Friday, like I am working pretty much all day, every day. It's, it's interesting. I know this isn't really a music production question, but there are people out there that just have an innate drive. Uh, I'm not, I kind of sit on the fence. Some people argue that you can develop that. And some people say you can't, like it's DNA type thing. I mean, what do you think about that? I think you can 100% develop it, um, but it's up to you to discover it inside of you. So then if that's the answer, then maybe it was always there to begin with. Um, Because I know, you know, for there was a lot of years there where I didn't really do anything, I think, like outside of working a normal nine to five and going out on the weekends and getting drunk and doing all like, you know, the normal, stupid and wasteful things that people just tend to do. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but I think, like I said, that experience of figuring out what I don't want to do, it it taught me so much about myself. And I was just like, no one's going to make you do anything. Like if, if anything is going to happen in life, like you're the one who's going to have to actually take the initiative and make it happen. And that realization is both scary, but awesome and and freeing right it's like dude like no one no one is going to make anything happen for you it's all up to you not just in music production but but in anything in life and i think like that revelation was like a pretty big thing for me like i was like i was like all right like it's time to time to get stuff done like it's either you or or someone else is going to do it yeah yeah no for sure uh this is I asked this question the first time yesterday to, uh, to Rico and Miala, but I, I want to ask you, was there a, other than quitting your job or getting laid off, was there a tough decision that you had to make that's had a significant impact on your career, negative or positive? A tough decision that's had a big impact on my career. I think... The, I mean, the biggest one is the one that you kind of said aside from, but I think like leaving the, you know, the normal rat race or the, or the workforce of, of having a nine to five, cause I could have gotten laid off and I could have just looked for a job immediately. But that decision of like, Hey, I'm going to stick through this no matter what was pretty, pretty huge. I think, cause if it wasn't for those next two years, I wouldn't have ever have pretty much accomplished anything. It took me another two years after I got laid off to really start seeing results in my music. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's probably the, the one that I'd have to go with. Was, was there any, it must've been tough though. Were there any moments where you thought about going back or, or anything like that? Or you oh, just I mean, fully I'm- committed? <laughs> I mean, I thought about it every single day for a long time. Mm. Um, and even still there's, there's times where like, there's these, these momentary glimpses and you're just like, oh, you know, it might be really nice to have just, to just not have such, so much motivation and drive because I could, I could be lazy and I could just not really care about yeah, stuff. Yeah. But, but I actually, when I left my work, um, I wrote just a one page, uh, like, almost like journal entry just about how I felt in that moment Mm -hmm. to remind myself like when those moments of doubt would come in the future, just like I wanted to be like, just go read what you wrote. How, how did you really feel when you were living that life? 
And if I were to ever go back and read that, I mean, I haven't read it in years now, but when I, when I did before, I was just like, wow, like I was miserable and there's nothing more upsetting than, than that. Like living a life that's not fulfilling, doing something you're not passionate about. I don't care. I was making decent money, but, but who cares? You know, like, yeah, it just doesn't, it just doesn't matter. Yeah, man, for sure. That's, uh, it's pretty inspiring. Uh, now I want to switch gears for a moment. You, you're on a side project, as you mentioned earlier, called the rooftop boys. Uh, tell us a bit more about that and, and how it came about. Yeah, sure. So, um, so originally I was linked up with a producer named Keith Bender and, and he's the other, the other guy in the rooftop boys. And, and at the time I was just doing like mix down work for him, you know, like doing engineering stuff for his music. Mm. And, and so we worked a lot together over the course of like, I think like a year and a half and we got pretty close and it, it got to the point where he like eventually just convinced me to do like a one-off collaboration with him. And so we got together and just quickly did a remix to, um, to Coldplay's Magic, like straight up bootleg remix. The two of us like spend maybe three or four hours max to do the remix, which for me is like really, really, really fast. Like I never make stuff that fast. Um, and originally it was going to be like a Hyperbits and Bender remix collab. But uh, so like a few days later, we were on my rooftop in my, my old part, my old apartment in Manhattan. And we're just taking a break, you know, chilling, like just talking. And Keith kind of brings me this whole idea. He's like, he's like, dude, what if we don't release it as our individual names and we just call ourselves the rooftop boys? He's like, we're always chilling on your roof anyway. And at first I was like, dude, that is a horrible idea. Like, <laughs> like what? Like, that's just like, what are you talking about? And then, you know, when something like just sticks in your head and it just like, it just stays there. I'm, it stayed there for, I'm talking only like 15 minutes. Cause we, we started talking about something else. And then I was like, you know what, dude, like, wait a second, this is actually a really good idea. <laughs> it's, it's just corny enough that it's kind of awesome and memorable. Mm. And, and, and from that moment I was all in and, um, and so we made like two more remixes over the next couple weeks or so. And one of them was our Kanye West remix. And the other was a David Guetta remix. And we released our first remix. Um, and we released the Kanye remix because we thought it was like our strongest out of those first three. And it did like really, really well with the blogs and stuff. And it actually went to number one on Hype Machine. Wow. Which is something that I had been like, I had been trying to do that for years, man, like literally years. And I just never, you know, I never got to that spot and we did it on our first remix. And then, huh. and then we were like, okay, like, let's keep this going. Let's release that get a remix we just made. So a couple weeks later we release it and it also went to number one on hype machine. Wow. And, and this is just like a quick story. I think of like how powerful hype machine is. So the song was sitting at number one, right? And I was having dinner with my parents and I think my grandfather was there too. Mm. And, and I'm like sitting there and, you know, I had my phone on me and I get an email from Universal it, <laughs> and it just, you know, an A&R and it was just someone saying like, Hey guys, love your sounds. Would love to hear some original music. Um, and, and maybe some potential remix work. And I was like, 
all right, like that's sweet. Like, you know, anybody would be excited about an email like that. And it's a great look. And I'm not even kidding. Like 15 minutes later, I get an email from an A&R over at Sony saying almost like the exact same thing. And like, I'm sitting at dinner, like I'm not, I'm, I don't really share too much about like my music life to like my parents and my, definitely not my grandfather. And, uh, I'm not even kidding, dude. Like another few minutes later, I get a very similar email from someone at Warner Brothers. And then a few <laughs> minutes later, same thing at Atlantic. And I'm just oh, like, wow. what is happening <laughs> right now? Like four huge labels just reached out to us. Like I was just, I was like, wow, like this is, this reaffirms that something is right here. And from that point on, I was just like, all right, like we, we got to do this rooftop boys thing. Like it's a lot of, the project is a lot of fun and, and the music is working. So, you know, I was like, <laughs> I'll, I'll keep at it. And, and yeah, things are, uh, things are great, man. We got our first tour booked. Um, we're opening, uh, for, I think all seven or eight dates of Thomas Jack's tropical express tour. So mm -hmm. a few dates in the West coast, a few dates in the East coast, uh, this November and December. Um, and yeah, I can't wait, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's, that's amazing. That's so cool. Uh, yeah. how do you, how do you juggle both though? Like your hyperbits work and the rooftop boys. And that must be a it's, fair bit of work. Uh, it's horrible. Um, it's, it's, uh, that's honestly one of the things that I definitely struggle with just like, you know, it's a lot of work. One project is a lot of work. Two projects is also a lot of work. But, um, but I think like, you know, that having that innate drive, right. Just having that motivation, like I never, I'm not that type of person who gets a lot of work and backs away from it. When I, when somebody gives me a project, I'm like, all right, like we got a deadline, let's do this, let's finish it. And that's kind of, um, that's kind of just how I approach like anything that comes in for rooftop boys or for hyperbits. And, um, I mean, it's, you know, it's definitely a struggle at times, but, but I just, I don't know. I, I enjoy managing the time as much as, or as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, no, I, I can get that. Um, and how, for people who don't know, how does the sound, like your sound as your top boys differ from Hyperbits? Very, very different vibes overall. So where Hyperbits is kind of like, these days mostly progressive trancey maybe on like the funkier side of trance if mm. if that exists um <laughs> why not <laughs> the rooftop boys is rooftop boys is like way slower in bpm so hyperbit stuff is like up in the 126 128 range whereas rooftop stuff is all between like 115 and 120 bpm mm. um and the rooftop boys i find like the sound is very like like overly happy it's it's about being outside it's about being on a rooftop with your buddies having some drinks like it's about like about positive vibes and whereas like i can get a little darker and deeper i think with or, or not necessarily deeper but darker with hyperbits rooftop boys is just all about like celebrating the positive things in life um and i think that comes through in like you know the the chilled vibes the down tempo melodies everything about it is very just kind of like happier. If I, if I could put, if I could give it one word, I'd say it's a lot happier. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, not to delve too deep into this side of things, but I think from a marketing perspective, it probably helps a lot as well. Having this, this story behind 
your brand because I know that a lot of producers struggle with that, you know, standing out, being unique, having something other than just their music that kind of sets them apart. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, marketing is one of those things that unfortunately for us creative types, I'm sure you don't really want to spend too much time on marketing, but having a brand and having something that's just memorable and and making sure that you actually like, you know, have some sort of an idea of what you want to represent or or a lifestyle behind it. If if you can nail those things, I think people are just so much more inclined to kind of just resonate with your brand and 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 really just you know remember your brand. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Okay, I've got one more question before we jump into these these quick fire questions. Mm-hmm. If you had to start again at square one what would you do differently if anything <laughs> see this is this is the worst question because i'm i'm one of those people who wouldn't change a thing mm, like mm. every mistake I've, I've i've made every mistake in the book and but but like if i really have to pick something um let me think i would i would probably i'd probably tell like upcoming producers to put a lot less emphasis on trying to get like booking agents and and managers and finding the right labels. Like I really believe that all that stuff will come to you mm. when your music is ready. Like, yeah, like just, you'll, you'll like, just be yeah. you'll just be having dinner with your family and you'll have all these emails coming. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you know, like I, I just I feel like people are like are in a rush always like they want things to happen so fast but like life is not a sprint and i know it's like the oldest expression in the book but like the race is long man like just chill out enjoy yourself like have some fun like making music the reason you're doing this is because it's fun and you love it and like Mm. that for me is is what i would tell people is like I, I didn't probably do that in the beginning. I was like very focused on on finding the right labels, sending the music out to people, like pushing myself onto people before I had any place to be there. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I think that there's a it's good to have a grind and to work hard and to sell yourself and all that. But at the same time, like chill out, like put your feet up, go outside, have a beer, like play some golf, whatever it is that makes you happy, do that as well. Don't forget about all the beautiful things in life that, um, that sometimes a real passion can kind of take you away from. I think that's really good advice. There's, it can be hard to balance that, that drive with patience because obviously you need both, you know, like there's some producers out there who, you know, it takes 10, even maybe 15 years for them to reach a breaking point where, yeah they've become successful uh that's yeah that's cool um okay well we'll jump into these quick fire questions do you have any books or resources that have helped you become a better producer they don't need to be necessarily music books uh but just anything (laughs) that's that's good because i i I, i'll give some music books but i will also not give some music books um so first off, resources, I would I have to just give some like credit to Dubspot and just taking classes, man, like investing in yourself. Like I really think it can kind of streamline 
um, your yourself and like it gets you in the in headed in the right direction and and that's kind of why I started like teaching even like I was like man I could teach this stuff better and and that's another thing like I don't know if this is a resource but it's one thing to take a class but if you can teach that class I mean that's going to push you so much further to understand the material and to, and to kind of delve into things um, so I'm not telling everybody out there to like teach classes but but like talk to your friends and teach your your buddies like if you can do that then you're going to be a lot better of a producer i think um and uh i think like resource wise i really really loved have you ever heard of the ill methodology workshops yeah 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 the the first 45 minutes man it's a completely it's free video it's so inspiring and really just for me like it just changed the way that i looked at like approaching music production so that's like a must see i think for for anyone um and then uh i think like books wise i would say i feel like this is like the most generic one but the mixing engineers handbook by bobby osinski oh classic yeah yeah it's it's just a classic but like i don't know like before i was even like making music man like I, I had that book and I would read it. Not that before I was making music, but before I was making good music, mm. um, I would read that on the train and just commuting to work. And in the summers, I'd read it on the beach. Like I just read that thing so many times. I didn't even know what I was reading back then, but like <laughs> it's, it, there's a lot of good information in there. Um, I also really loved the, the dance music manual mm. by, um, by Rick Snowman, I think. Yeah. And, uh, and honestly, dude, your, your, producer's guide to workflow and creativity like there is so much great information in there like particularly about workflow and finishing music that i wish i had read five years ago oh, i appreciate <laughs> like, it man appreciate the plug <laughs> yeah no i mean dude it's it's i wouldn't give you the plug unless it was good and there's a lot there's just so much in there that um like i said finishing music that whole realm i feel like you really just kind of like nailed that whole side of things um and uh, and so non music books, I would say probably all right. So, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Absolutely, it's one of the, like yeah. right, it's just one of the most classic books. But like, if you haven't read it, you're just missing this whole other side of of life. And like, mm -hmm. I don't know, it opens things up to you, and you start to see like the world as like as just something that. It, things aren't happening to you like you're you can kind of control not control i don't want to say control those things but but you start to realize how important every conversation you have is and how much influence can lead to to bigger and better things in your life yeah i think uh, think well, not to interrupt but uh, no no so, some people are put off by the title of that book because they <laughs> think oh this is this sounds a bit arrogant you know but yeah. it is an amazing book. And what you'll find if you read it is that it's actually saying, like, don't focus on yourself, like, at all. Yeah. Just listen yeah. and yeah. Know, smile and talk about other people. So, yeah, exactly. it's, it's like the least self-centered <laughs> book you can read. Yeah. And I, I remember, like, the, the chapter that really stuck with me is just how he talks about being genuine to other people. Yeah, yeah. Like, I really believe that, like, just being real and being genuine is, is like your ticket, you know, like every single person out there has something unique about them. 
like be yourself, stay genuine and life just starts like good things just start happening, man. Um, and, and on that side of things, like I think music producers don't often realize how, um, how much it is just like running a business, right? You're a freelancer at times you're figuring out to ways to make money. So in the financial world, like rich dad, poor dad, uh, such a great book by Robert. I forget how to say his last name, Kit. Kiyosaki or something. Kiyosaki. Yeah. Kiyosaki. Kiyosaki, There you go. Yeah. That makes sense. (laughs) Um, yeah. Rich dad, poor dad, just awesome, awesome book. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Great books. Uh, okay. Let's say you're stranded on a desert Island with your laptop, uh, DAW of your choice and three plugins. What are those three plugins? (laughs) This is another just tough question, man. What can I pick? Um, does it have to be plugins or, or does that include synths? Yeah. 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 Okay. Sensor audio effects. Yes. This, uh, that makes it even harder. (laughs) All right. So I would say synth wise, I would probably pick the silent and I'm, I'm assuming that's like the most generic answer, but it really is super versatile and and there's pretty much no sound out there that you can't make in this in silent so that would probably be like this my synth of choice um i'm assuming i would need like an eq of some oh, sort let's say let, you have you have eq and compressors and all that kind of stuff oh default. really but, okay but well you're in logic so let's say you have so you I, know, have, I have logic like stock stuff. Yeah. And I have yeah. Just, three. just external plugins. Let's say that. Okay. Hmm. So silent number one. Oh, then I, if I have all of logic's like stock stuff, I would probably go with a lot of like sound generating things. Like I would need a piano. Mm. Oh wait, but logic, I use logic's piano. So I would just <laughs> do that. Oh, this is, this makes this question easy or, or harder now because I have so much, I would say, <laughs> so silent number one, um, I would go with the OTT compressor and I know that sounds, I probably would regret that eventually, but I love the color of that thing and the mm. way that it just sounds like it's got something in it or, or on it that nothing else really sounds like that. So I would go with the OTT compressor um, and I would probably, hmm, I would probably grab like something some sort of like saturation tool, like something. Cause I, I just hate logic's distortions. So either like sound toys, decapitator or fab filter Saturn. One of, one of those like saturation tools. Cause I, I really rely on that stuff to get my music sounding bigger and fatter and, and warmer. Right. Gotcha. Uh, I'm going to have to work on that question. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, it's just hard, you know, like, mm. ugh. Three plugins, man. Like, uh, that's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like my worst nightmare. Uh, what's your dream collaboration? Uh, can I have two? Sure. Is that possible? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Number one would be Andrew McMahon. So he's the guy from Jack's Mannequin and Something Corporate. And I just grew up listening to his music. Like, his music shaped my life. And he's like a dude who survived cancer and leukemia. So, like, He's just so inspirational and such a good person, or at least comes across as a good person. I've never met him, but, um, yeah, that'd be like my number one. Uh, and then number two would be, this is like 
uh, probably another generic answer, but Coldplay, man, like Coldplay is the, they're the Beatles of our generation. Like we're going to look back one day and just realize how spoiled we were by, by them. Like they're, they're the best songwriters out there. Um, and I just, I can't stress enough how, how much I just love their, their vibes and like the way they construct music. I think it's just absolutely beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Uh, okay. Do you have any last words for the listeners? Um, last words, I would say like, I, I mean, we kind of, I feel like talked about this at one point, but I would take persistence over sheer talent any day of the week. Like the, the only way that you can fail in music production is if you stop. So just no matter what you do, just, just keep going, keep writing, keep mixing and, and keep having fun. I really like that. Well, thanks heaps for coming on, Sirik. It's been a fantastic uh, discussion. And finally, where can people find you online? Um, they can find... So I post a lot of production tips on my Facebook page. So just facebook.com slash hyperbits. And if anyone wants to like inquire about my classes or, or getting mixed down work done, just head over to hyperbitsmusic.com. Fantastic. Thanks again. Happy to be here. It was a lot of fun. <laughs>